0: And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at a point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. I forgot to do that, didn't I? Nope. Y'all did that? Y'all changed it for me? (laughs) Do not fear, only, my bad. See, this is all brand new to me. Help a brother out. (laughs) 37, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. You may be seated. So we're going to do this a little different today. Just to yourself and the Lord. Just pray these things out. Prepare your heart and prepare us for worship. And so I'll just give you a few uh, seconds to do that and then I'll I'll pray to get us started. Wow. Our Father, I ask that you would meet with us today. I ask that you would speak to us through the preaching and teaching of your word, even just through your word alone. We come to you from many experiences this week, and we need to hear a word from you. I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. I pray that you would use me today to preach your word with great effectiveness and clarity. God, surrender to your Holy Spirit and to your word, and that you would do in our midst only what you can do. God, I pray for a spirit of humility. God, that we would listen and that we would learn and that we would be thankful for your perfect word. Oh, we thank you for Jesus. And if there's even one in here today that doesn't know him, as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray that you would set captive free, that you would encourage the hurting, that you would remind us that you're a God who is able, and that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God, you know what we're going through. God, some in this building, some watching at home, bring healing as only you can bring healing today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So today I'm going to talk to you from this passage, reminding you that even imperfect faith moves people to action. You see, I think too often that we think God doesn't move or that God does move because of us because of the level, or the strength, or the ability of the, of the, to have the faith that we have. And that's just not true. The, the reason that God moves when we put our faith in him is because he's God. So we put our faith in the right person, and when we put our faith in the right person, he gets to sovereignly work as he wants to work. And so what we're gonna see today, we're gonna see one come to him for themselves, just hurting and heartbroken, have gone through some things for a long time. And then we're going to see another one come because of his daughter and because of her sickness and because of her struggle. And so that may be some of y'all today. Just know that when you show up to worship, it's not an accident. God's got a word for you. It's just, are you willing to listen? And that's what I hope you guys are are willing to do today. This is what Jesus says to us. He says uh, very clearly, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. Now, that word can be translated burdens, troubles, pressures, problems, and afflictions. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We live in a broken, fallen world. We live in a world full of hate. In a world full of lies, a world full of sickness and heartbreak, and, and it hits all of us in different ways at different times. And Jesus wanted us to know that He knew it was coming. You're gonna have trouble. But He says, take heart, be encouraged, have courage. Go on, I have overcome the world. That word overcome is Nike, N I K E. It's a word that we see all the time in our culture, and what it means is conquer or victorious. It means that our side wins, and that's what he wants you to understand. Yeah, you're going through some hard things. Could you give me that water? I I forgot to get it. Oh, you could have thrown it. See, I could have shown him I was an athlete, (laughs) and so that's one of the things we need to remember, and so. Here's what faith is. I guess went straight from Hebrews and came with the definition, and you're going to fill in your first two blanks there. Now, faith is the assurance or the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction or being convinced of things not seen. So, number one, biblical faith is confidently entrusting your whole existence to Jesus, convinced that He is who He says He is, and He's done what you see in the Bible. He's not a good luck charm. He's not something that you add to your life. He becomes your life. And then it says here, the object of our faith, Jesus, God in human flesh, makes our faith most convincing and strong. So you want to have strong faith? Then fix your eyes, your hope, your your opportunity to be changed on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Don't put the pressure on you and don't let anyone else put the pressure on you. We'll get into that a little bit more later because I think it's something we talk about a lot. But I think a lot of us think the reason we're not healed, the reason we don't get that job, the reason this doesn't happen is because our faith wasn't strong enough. No, God's still on his throne. And he knows whether we need that job, whether we're ready for that job, or whether we need to get and experience that healing. So what you're going to see today are two imperfect role models... Even superstitious and wrong in some sense. But their faith is in the right place, in the right person. And that's why we see God do a supernatural miracle. So beginning in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. So make sure you understand, this is in the context of after, after healing uh, the demoniac man that everybody was scared of, throwing the legion of demons into the pigs, and they kill themselves by going out to sea. And then ultimately, the people ask him to leave their region. They didn't like that kind of Jesus. Let's be careful today. There's, there's a lot of us that don't like the Jesus of the Bible. We don't mind Jesus healing. We don't mind Jesus being a good moral teacher. But when he asks us to to die to ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him, we don't want that Jesus. Let me just get my hell insurance and then let me live however in the world I want to live. It's unbiblical. That's not a biblical Jesus. So, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell prostrate at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter, Is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And notice this. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Now make sure that there's no there's no uh, uh, misunderstanding here. This is a religious leader of the day. He is a key religious leader of a synagogue. And this religious religious leader of the day comes up and literally this is what he does y'all. Out in public in front of everybody. Unashamed of what people are going to think or people are going to say, risking his job, risking his life because he was desperate. He was desperate to see Jesus do a mighty work. Now that's the last time I'm going to go prostrate for y'all. Y'all see this word some more. But there are times that that level of humility is the only thing that's going to show you that he's the only one that you're depending on. So often, y'all, we still try to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We still try to think we can fix ourselves. We can plan ourselves into healing. We can do whatever we want to do. But we just use Jesus as a good luck charm at the end. Prayer is nothing more than an extra. Jesus is a maybe. And the reality of our lives, y'all, Apart from the person of work of Jesus Christ, none of us have hope of forgiveness in heaven. It's what he's done, not what we do that merits his favor before a holy God. And that's what we've got to remember. And too often we forget. This man was mistaken because he thought that Jesus had to go to his house and lay his hands on his daughter, that that would be the only way she could be healed. But that's okay. You look what Jesus, he decided to go ahead and go with him. Why? Because Jesus is compassionate. Jesus cares about what you're going through. It hasn't caught him off guard. And so maybe you're going through some marriage difficulties. Maybe you're going through some sickness like you're going to see here. Maybe someone's at the point of death. Just like David said a few weeks back, sometimes God's healing, God's deliverance isn't physical healing on earth. It's deliverance to heaven, which is better by far, and that's that's okay. So we can't dictate to him the way that he's got to do it. And so let's be very careful about trying to use Jesus as like our servant, our genie in the lamp, or our Santa Claus. Because he is almighty God. And what Mark wants us to understand, that he is Messiah. He is God in human flesh who forgives sin. So number three, Jairus, a ruler of a synagogue, came to Jesus humbly prostrated and begging In front of everyone there. When's the last time you, in tears, asked people to pray for you because you had nowhere else to turn? Pride is a debilitating and a destructive thing in our lives. When you and I think we can make it on our own, we are right where the devil wants us. We need one another. And what you're going to see in this woman, because what, what, what Mark decided to do is what's, what's called sandwich teaching. He starts off with Jairus. He's going to talk. He's going to share the woman's story. And then he's going to come back to Jairus because he wants to have great impact on what's going on here. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine how unhealthy she is. I can't even imagine how difficult this was because look at what's happening. It says here, and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Some of you can give me an amen in here this morning because that's the way you feel. You've tried everything and every other kind of healing. You are at a point of desperation and financial ruin, and you're just wondering what in the world is going on. It says here, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. You see, her faith moved her to risk everything To touch Jesus. And we're going to see here that even her imperfect faith makes a difference. She didn't have to touch his garment. His garment had no power. He had power. He had power. And this woman was breaking the law. She was risking her life. Because if she would have touched anybody. Because here's what happened. When you were unclean in this time. You had to give everybody full notice. You were walking down the street Unclean. Unclean. Unclean because you didn't want anybody else to be impacted by, by whatever it was that you had that you made you unclean in, in the law. So she was breaking every one of those laws. Why? Wow, because she was desperate. She was destitute. And that thing just went crazy. That's what, I'll be honest with you. That's why I put a, a stool up here because I get a little excited sometimes. Um, she was desperate she was destitute she was as good as dead but she didn't care she had nowhere else to turn I, I mean like literally she's probably thinking listen if I get caught I, I just soon die so I'm willing to risk everything and she she came and she touched his garment so so she was made well it said in verse 29 and immediately the flow, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt. Now, that word is literally means to know or come to know and understand because of experience. She had 12 years of this illness, so she knew when things had changed. She knew something was different that she had experienced in 12 years. She knew something great happened. And so even though, and I just put up here, uh, d- duh, duh. I mean, I think sometimes people think people don't know when God has shown up and done some things. But after you've been through 12 years of suffering like this, you've tried everything. Hope, lack of hope. Hope, lack of hope. Hope, lack of hope. So she's at a point in her life, the only hope she has is Jesus. If, if Jesus can't do it because I've heard the stories that he can, then I'm gone. And so this right faith led to the results that she had humbly saw, humbly saw after superstitiously, superstitiously thought as the culture that they thought, let me just touch, touch his garments and I'm going to be okay. She was leaving knowing that she was healed. She wasn't going to make a big show of it. She wasn't going to try to put it on TV and make a lot of money. She wasn't going to go get a testimony. I mean, nothing what you see on TV today. It was just between her and Jesus and really just between her and God, just in the quietness of her heart. Then look what happens. And Jesus perceiving, that word means to fully know and understand in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? The fact that he knew the difference between the touch of faith and the touch of the crowd is amazing. That he is so sensitive to the people i mean there's a crowd thronging about him people just there to see a show people just there to see what in person what they've heard about maybe in the jerusalem times or something they heard all these stories and what's so beautiful that yeah the woman knew she was healed jesus knew too i mean i can't even imagine he just stopped who touched me And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Make sure y'all write this down. When Jesus speaks, we need to zip it. Listen and learn, not disrespectfully argue with him. His disciples, y'all. And I think it's funny, you know, that new uh, show, The Chosen, kind of shows a lot of different things. But they're a bunch of knuckleheads. Just like you and me. Just like us. We think sometimes we know better than what God's Word says. Oh, wow, we didn't want to even talk about that. We think we know better than what God's Word clearly said. It's only God's Word that's perfectly inerrant, not you and me. Yeah, in fact, let me just say this. Any preacher that ever stands up here and and speaks God's Word, don't trust us just because we say it. Check it out in the book. Only his word is perfect, and we've got to remember that. So don't argue with Jesus. said he looked around. Okay, this is one of those penetrating looks. You know, like my mama had? Like some of y'all parents have? There's much debate amongst commentators as to whether he was looking around the crowd in general or whether he looked right at her. Penetrating look, Like literally, man, I confessed every sin whenever my mama would look at me. And that's what he was doing. He was looking. You see, I think too often, especially in the American culture, we try to act like faith is just private. If your private faith ain't willing to go public, you may not have faith at all. I think we are ashamed of him. We're afraid to stand up for him. We're we're afraid to stick up for him at work. We're afraid to stick up for him in the marketplace. That's why I love working with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Coaches and athletes have more influence than you even want to admit sometimes. And whenever they talk about Jesus, people listen. How about you? When you talk about Jesus, do people listen? Or do you ever even talk about him? Is there enough evidence in your life to convict you of being a follower of Jesus? Because he says, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my Father in heaven. It says here, uh, he didn't even acknowledge their foolish disrespect. But when Jesus speaks, It's not your feelings, it's not your faith, it's not your experiences, it's not teachings of man outside God's word that matter most, it's Jesus. And the reason that we want an authority outside of ourselves, the reason that we put our hope and we teach verse by verse here is because this is the only thing you can always trust. Listen, I can't even always trust myself. My emotions can get in the way. My intellect can get in the way. And so I need something objective and true outside of me to make sure that I'm staying close to Him. Why? Because He's the only one that saves souls and changes lives and sets the captive free. I've got to point y'all to Him, never to me. And that's where we all need to get. That's where we all need to be. But, this is beautiful. So, but, contrasting the attitude of the disciples, the woman knowing and experiencing is what that word means. What had happened to her came in fear and trembling and fell down, again, prostrate, I ain't doing it again, but that's what she did, before him and told him the whole truth. Number six, the woman's private devotion and imperfect faith became a public witness to the power and the grace of God. Like people are blown away when we just tell them what God's done. And they want to hear more, and then they'll tell their friends, and their friends will start coming over. And whenever you start giving Him glory, and when you start making sure that He is the one that, 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 that people need instead of you, people take notice. But here's where she was. Humbly, gratefully, and unashamedly, she fell on her face at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> We're afraid down, to walk down an aisle today. We're afraid to pray in front of people at the altar. But boy, ask us what our favorite college is, our favorite team. Psh, you can't shut us up. Some of us will talk more about the weather than we talk about Jesus. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. Of your disease. No longer is this woman diseased, desperate, and destitute, and as good as dead. She is now a daughter of God. Ha! Yes! The greatest miracle in this story is that she is now in the family of God. We wanna focus on the physical, which just affects what? 70 odd years that we have on life. How about being a part of the family for eternity? Come on. I ain't the only one that ought to be shouting here. So it's pretty, pretty exciting. But notice that it was her imperfect faith that caused her to risk everything to get to Jesus for healing. She got a new family, the greatest miracle here. What has your faith cost you? Some of y'all were like me. I got, uh, I got rewarded for getting baptized when I was a kid. They gave us rainbow snow cones. I got me two of them babies. My faith never cost me anything until I was an adult. Started reading my Bible, started teaching Sunday school, and then, like, I lost my church because they, they said, you care too much what the Bible says. We found another church, and as Michelle and I continued to grow, we lost our family. Our family loved the kind of Christianity we had before where we partied with them or reacted to fool just like they did. But once God radically saved our life, they didn't like us no more. What does your faith cost you? Because at the end of the day, you're not going to answer to the inf- judgment. You're going to answer to Jesus. What have you done with Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in him as your sin bearing, wrath removing Savior? Are you unashamed? Are you humble in your faith? Are you recognizing that you got it going on because you got Jesus? And he's the one that you you wanna exclaim. Now, this question what about Jairus? Can you imagine? His daughter was sick. I mean, at the point of death is what it said earlier. And so he had to stop and see all this going on and see what Jesus did in this. What was supposed to be a private healing that became an opportunity for public worship. That's why you need to tell people what God's doing in your life. Because you're the only person they're going to listen to. And we're we're God's plan A. Plan B, C, D. To share the gospel with the world. You and me. The people we influence. The people we work with. The people we play with. The people that we teach. The people that we live with. We're God's plan. And, And can I tell you... As short a time as Michelle and I have been here, you are some amazing people. I know why they like you. I know why they want to hang out with you. But what they need to know is the reason you are the way you are is because of your love for Jesus Christ who first loved you. What about Jairus? While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who had said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Nothing wrong with what these men are doing. They're just trying to be proper. Jairus ought to be there grieving with his family and his friends. Um, She's dead. It's too late for a healing. So they're just trying to be proper. But Jesus told J.R., is not to fear, but to believe. Yeah, miracles aren't proper. And when God shows up and shows out, it's not something that you can explain, humanly speaking. But he is still on his throne. He he is still able to do the impossible. And when he chooses not to, we still choose to trust him. We choose to trust him. And so it's a beautiful thing. It says, it says, um, And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brothers. He didn't even let all the disciples follow him. Probably the ones that made the comment were most indignant about it, saying, who touched you? No one except his inner circle got to follow him. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion. People weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered... He said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. The second opportunity people get just to be quiet, to not be disrespectful. So when Jesus is speaking, when you see it in God's Word, be careful about disregarding it. Be very careful about rewriting Scripture to fit your belief system. I heard it said a long time ago, if God said it, uh, I believe it, that settles it. Well, no, that's not a good way to say it. If God believes it, okay, if God said it, that settles it. It don't matter what you believe or not. That's right. <laughs> but what's happened today is that even if we reject this prosperity, word, faith, gospel... This name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I get to tell God what to do. He is a puppet under my strings. The problem with that is, is we honestly think we know better. And what we do is we make our experiences or our favorite teacher's approach as the only way that it can be done. And what I'm concerned about is this idea of having spiritual witchcraft. There's a certain way you got to say it. There's a certain way you got to do it. If you don't pray this prayer, if you don't have enough faith, if you don't give enough money, then you're never going to experience God. No. Only the Bible is always perfect and inerrant. Be careful. Another thing I hear often today is, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't. But if you don't want to, that's a big problem. Probably evidence that you're not a Christian. Oh, I know. Now, I'm not getting a lot of amens today. <laughs> I, I, I need to go back. I, I just I hit, oh, there it is. There's that back button. Okay, here we go. And they laughed at him. That word laugh means to mockingly laugh. Like they were making fun of him. How stupid can you be to think that? These professional mourners and true mourners that that in the culture you had to have at least two paid mourners to mourn the death of a loved one. They were there and y'all, it was a loudness and there was some noise like nothing that you've heard before. That group of people mocked Jesus based upon what he said. Jesus knew that she was dead. Everybody knew that she was dead, but what Jesus knew that they didn't know is that she was going to come back to life. Wow. So when he said that, he wasn't lying. He just said, well, just a little temporary thing going on. She's asleep. And oftentimes in Scripture, dead, the, the term sleep is used for death. Okay. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in there where the child was. Notice that he kicked everybody else out of the house. Well, uh-huh. that ain't no nice, sweet Jesus. Well, He, he came to please the Father, not, not you and me. Taking and it, it's so beautiful. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl or little lamb. I say to you, arise. Now, Talitha Kumi, it's not a magic word that you have to say to bring people back from the dead. It means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Just a term of endearment, something that the parents have probably said to her before. You know, sometimes, you know, she's almost a teenager. Sometimes y'all want to sleep a little later. And so these parents, and so Jesus just very gently said this to her. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. For she was twelve years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. Now, literally, that word means their minds were blown. I bet. Could you imagine? Like, she she, she was dead. She ain't dead no more. The woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. She was healed. That's the power of putting your faith in Jesus. Not your faith in your faith. Your faith in Jesus. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Now, this is crazy to a lot of people. Why are you not telling everybody? Why are you not going out and making it public? First of all, he told them, don't tell anyone what happened here. Why? It's what's called in Scripture the messianic secret. This is not the only time that you see it here, because people were not ready yet. You get the word out at this point in his ministry, telling people that he is right, that people are are being resuscitated to life. They will begin to chase that instead of chase Jesus. And too often we want to chase the miracle instead of chase Jesus. So he wanted to make sure that they understood in his first advent, he came as a suffering servant, not as a conquering king. And throughout the gospels, you see, they're always ready to fight. This first advent was a spiritual advent. This first Ad- advent, he came as the suffering servant. Why? He wanted to die on the cross just as the Father desired, and he, as part of the Godhead desired, he submitted to it so that men and women, boys and girls, could get beyond the religion of the day and come into a personal faith relationship with Jesus Christ. He is God in human flesh. Who forgives sin? He is the long-awaited Messiah that sadly the Jewish nation is still waiting for, because they refused to consider their interpretations of the Old Testament. See, the nation of Israel still thinks that they are the suffering servant. They misunderstood that from the very beginning, and Jesus has come to show them. And then, secondly, he said, "Feed her." The girl is alive, so eating is a is normal for people to see. So whenever this girl comes back out, she was walking, she go. Because they ain't telling all that happened. We must have been wrong. <laughs> she must not have really been dead. And so they had to consider all the things that they thought they knew before because the girl is walking, eating. And that's what we need to do. Just consider and reconsider what we believe. And be humble enough to say, I may have had this thing wrong. I may not have understood it ever. I, I, in fact, I may have been one of those deceived Christians. And so here's what I want to do as is, is I, is I get ready to close. I say it like that because if I say, as I close and I take another 20 minutes, y'all think, what? <laughs> First thing I want y'all to consider is, what do we learn from the passage and who are we like? Now listen, all of us need to learn different things. But here's some things we could possibly learn from the woman and from J. Iris. Their faith was not perfect, but the object of their faith, Jesus, is. Yeah. They risked everything on earth to gain Jesus' help and healing. The woman risked her life. J. Iris was probably not welcome in the synagogue anymore, they probably kicked him out of his leadership position. He didn't care. They publicly humbled themselves, caring more about what Jesus thought than what anyone else in their lives thought. We don't answer to them at judgment. We answer to him. And their faith, as basic and as imperfect as it was, led them to desperate action, risking everything for a healing from Jesus. So where did you see yourself most like in this crowd? Are you here this morning just a part of the crowd looking for a show because someone made you come to church? Are you one of the disciples? You're a believer but you constantly disrespectfully question authority and the word of God because you know better than they do. Are you like those who are practical and Proper, don't really risk anything. You just come just because it's the thing that you've always done. And then lastly, are you like woman in Jairus who risk everything, everything, humbly bowing on their faces before Jesus and the crowd because they didn't care? You see, when your eyes stay fixed on him, you don't see the crowd. You just want him to do what he can do. And he can do it. Because I'm telling you something, man, if, if God can save Chuck, he can save anybody. <laughs> but really, that could be said about me. And so before uh, we partake of the Lord's Supper and before I, I close out this, this message in prayer, I just want you to take a few seconds, a few, few seconds, to have some kind of response. It may be you just thanking Jesus for who he is and what he's done in your life. It may be you coming in and confessing, man, I argue with you all the time. I need to zip it. And if that word isn't good enough for you say, I need to shut up. That's what was there originally, but I didn't want to distract y'all. Maybe you're someone here today that just realizes you've gone everywhere else to try to find healing and help and hope instead of Jesus. You've settled for where your religion is and and you don't even understand the concept of a personal faith relationship with the creator God of the universe. I don't know. I just want y'all to spend some time reflecting upon that and then I will pray and then we will prepare for the Lord's Supper. Father, we, uh, for some of us, have two new role models of faith. But we also have some examples of faithlessness. And God, I know there's no one here today that that's who we want to be. But we're in a world that hates your guts. And there are so many voices out there speaking against your word that even though we haven't been captured, hook, line, and sinker, sinker, we've been influenced by this bad teaching, by these, these wicked attitudes and habits. Let today be the day of freedom from captivity, of renewed submission and surrender to you, a revival and awakening like we've never seen before. Even as we get ready for the Lord's Supper, God, let it remind us afresh that you hung on the cross. That you shed your blood. That you were buried and that you rose from the dead so that those of us who believe would truly come to know you and of your unfailing love. Do a work in here today. Because all of us just simply need you. And so I pray that you would meet with us and that we would boldly and humbly and unashamedly tell someone today of the work that you did through us this morning. We thank you for your word that is so perfect and clear. And I pray for a spirit of humility for us all. Help us respond as you want us to, I ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, just go ahead and come now and get your uh, uh, cups. So for many of you, communion is something that, uh, like me, you've always called the Lord's Supper. Uh, Again, all three names that are most commonly used amongst the church. uh, Communion, just reminding of us of our unity and our oneness with God and with one another. It's just such a beautiful thing that we get to experience in Christ as, as people of faith, people who trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone as our only hope for forgiveness in heaven. It's it's also called the Lord's Supper because it was instituted by him on the night that he was betrayed. And it was a reminder to us that this is something that we continued, that our Lord started before he died on the cross for our sins. And what's so powerful is it wasn't until the cross happened that you fully understand the significance of the words on the night that he was betrayed. And then another term that's used is Eucharist means thanksgiving oh y'all nothing will change your heart and your attitude about your circumstances more than being thankful for who he is and what he's done for you we're good at griping and complaining but we're not always good at being thankful and so this becomes an opportunity for us to do this and so in the same way oh wait sorry oh i got it in my hand for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me. If you would just follow the instructions there and then I'll come up and I'll pray and we'll partake of the elements in just a second. with me thank you Jesus for your unfailing love that you did for me what I can't do for myself your body hung on the cross to bear my sin not just the sins of the world but my sin thank you Partain. One of the reasons I was excited about getting to do the Lord's Supper in a different way this morning is I grew up in a church tradition that did communion every week. Communion meant nothing to us. We partook of it and then we, we skipped out of church and we went to the student center. We never understood the significance. And so I don't ever want this to become so habitual that you don't think about its significance and what it symbolizes. Like, God loves you. Not just the world, he bore your sin, your lies, your anger, your hate, everything, this you. So just remember that. In that same way he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So if you will, just please follow the instructions. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your love, for shedding your blood to pay for my sin. All all wrath I deserve, all shame I deserve, has been taken away completely because of my beautiful Savior and my Lord Jesus. Amen. Take and drink. It says here, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So I want you to know, as we partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper, we preach, remembering His sinless life and cruel death for us. We also remember our own gratitude for the salvation we enjoy because of his body and blood. Now listen to me, y'all. We are his plan to reach the lost with the gospel. So think about it. Even right now, who in your life needs you to show them Jesus? Think about friends. Think about family members. If you've never been mockingly laughed at by a family member, praise the Lord for you. But, I mean, I have, and it hurts, but he's worth it. So what, what we've done this year, we're doing, we're doing our reach out for uh, Resurrection Sunday that we're going to celebrate soon. We've done it a little different because of this right here. So whoever it is in your life that you need to show Jesus, we, we've produced these invitation cards okay, that we want them to know that we want them to come and be a part of this. Now, some of you have four, five, six people that you've been praying about for years. Literally, take a step of faith, go public about Jesus, and invite them to come worship with us, either on Good Friday or that Sunday. Why? Because they respect you. They already will talk to you, and so don't be ashamed. And so, so back in the back, uh, in the resource room and also on the, the counters as you exit. Please, take as many as you want, but can I tell you, please use them and then begin to pray for them. God, please, burden their hearts to come to know you. God, please have them show up. God, let me be an example before them. I don't know why God chose to do it the way he chose to do it, but we're his plan. We're to make disciples of all nations. We are. And so let's just invite people wonderful little cards very quickly says uh, we'll save you a seat and then it gives it talks about from death to life and that there's an empty tomb okay. so the men are finishing up Trace Diaz. if those women who are going this next weekend would come uh, right now we'd love to pray over you as well the elders would really want to make sure that uh, you recognize that we support and we affirm what God's doing and we just want We want to bless you and see God bless you as well. Now, if there's anybody that's coming up here that you want to pray over or you just want to raise your hand towards you, feel free to come on up now and lay hands upon them. When you lay hands on someone, what you're saying is, man, I support this, I recognize this, and I want to see God do what you want to see God do. So feel free to come or just raise your hand up here uh, as, as they prepare to go to Trace DS. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for these ladies taking a step out in faith. Many of them having someone else watch their kids. Because they want to grow close. They want to be intimate and free to worship you as you have called them to do so. God bless them. As we pray that even now you're continuing to bless the men and, and draw them so very close, I pray that there would just be a continued movement of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that they would become less so that you can become more. Oh, God, just prepare them this week. Keep them safe and healthy this week because the enemy is not happy about this. But they worship a great God. And so God, bless them this week and in the days to come I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all so much.
1: Okay. Good morning. I have a quick camp message for everybody. For uh, it's coming up on us uh, very quickly and so um, just have a few updates for everybody in here. So uh, we're going again to Piney Woods Camp, which is in Woodlake, Texas. Um, same same place we've been going for the past few years. So we're incredibly excited about that. It's uh, in the Piney Woods, just north of the Houston area. Um, so preteen camp is June 21st through the 24th, and the cost is 275. Youth camp is July 24th through the 28th, and the cost is 335. Youth camp, guys, believe it or not, uh, is full. Uh, We are full as far as our roster is concerned. And if you're, uh, if you guys have not signed up yet and you still want to get on that list, the way that this is working this year is there's a waiting list. Because we have our other camp roster full, they'll be on a waiting list. And as long as we get, uh, it's on my list here somewhere. Um, prior to June 23rd, there will not be a late fee. If you wait till after that, the camp charges a late fee from an administrative standpoint that we have no control over. So, we're going to work hard to get kiddos that weren't put on that list uh, on there and, and be able to go to camp with us. But honestly, it's a little bit beyond our control. So, um, get them on there now so that we kind of we have the best headcount possible, and we'll do everything we can to go to bat for you guys. Um, We have a camp meeting. It's mandatory Uh, on Sunday, May 21st at 2 p.m. It's going to be right in here, uh, kind of after home group time frame so that people can still go to home group. We'll have that camp meeting in here that day. Parents will need to make payment in full at that time. And also, if if there's anybody uh, that uh, needs any type of assistance, we do have a scholarship form that can be filled out. Um, it'll be sent straight to me and then, uh, we'll put it through a process and get back to you guys. So, and then also on the preteen camp, it's filling up fast as well. We're, we're running the same type of situation and guys, that, that's, that just praise God for that because listen, it's an Island in this world where we can get kids out of, out of this world and get them thinking about God, praying to God, singing about God, reading about God. It's a great environment. So praise him for that. Pre-teen camp is filling up fast. Um, get your kids' names on the list. It's out there. That, that list is out there, and don't assume that your kid's name is on the list. If it, if it hasn't physically been written on there, or if you haven't given it to Christy directly, it's not on the list. And, uh, so, and the list is a little bit different this year from what we've seen. So get them on there. That's all I've got.
0: You want to close us out? Okay. Thank you. If you will, go ahead and stand and put uh, numbers back up there, please. No, no, it's the very end slide. There it is. So I, I wanted to use the Living Bible because I wanted to make sure I think, again, so much of what we do, we do the same way all the time that we don't even have to think about it. And so this, this is, is, uh, is my prayer blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. Amen. Now, some of y'all made a decision today, and y'all need to talk to me about it. Just come on. I'll stand up here for a while. I'll be willing to pray over you, whatever you need. But for the rest of you, God bless you as you go. Thank you for being here today.